Thank you. It was nothing. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank Mr. Peace, John, for playing the piano this morning as you entered. You Mr. John Peace and Ginger, thank you very much. <clears throat> when we got together last week, we noticed that um, basically we examined the dark side of serving, or we looked at the consequences of serving. And I guess for some of us, that was kind of the bad news of, this, of the story. Uh, this morning, fortunately, we've got the good news, but on the, uh, on the dark side of it, so to speak, there are times when we are here on this earth that uh, we will not receive, quote, our just reward. And uh, it's important to learn to be content. It's important to learn to accept whatever the outcome is, knowing and being confident that God is in control. And, uh, you know, basically, it's, it's the bottom line is to look at it and from a positive standpoint. Look at the bright side, they say, you know. And uh, we need to be people that see that God is in control and be confident that he is and assured of that fact. And we can see the bright side of whatever the circumstances are. I like the story of, a, of an old preacher, and he learned the trick of looking at the bright side. And he was an old circuit preacher that had, he basically rode his horse around, and he would preach in different towns, different meetings, different revivals. And the, uh, the only source of income that he had was the contributions or the, the donations of that particular group that he spoke to. And there was always an appropriate time during the course of the evening where they'd take up an offering for this old man. And uh, he passed his hat around, and he started in the back, and the hat was passed all the way around a group of this size. And uh, when he got his hat back up front, they set it next to him off to the side, and he kind of peeked over in there, and, I mean, there was nothing in it. Not a penny. There was nothing in the hat. And he thought for a moment, he said, Brethren, let us thank the Lord that I got my hat back from this audience. <laughs> and he had a way of looking at it from a cheerful standpoint. And uh, yeah, you know, sometimes when you think of that story, sometimes we don't get our just reward. However, it's also important to note and to recognize that serving definitely has rewards and no lights. And Oh, modern technology, I'm stumped here. Pardon me? Oh, I do. Okay, thanks. Anyway, this says there are times when we will have rewards of serving, all right? This is rewards of serving. Now, I know that some of it's okay, the second row got this, but it's going to be a stretch for some of you in the back because you can't even see it when it's up on the screen anyway, so... Basically, there are going to be rewards for serving. Uh, and you know what? And the rewards far outweigh the consequences that we talked about last week. And in fact, if you, if you stop and think about it, the rewards will motivate us as we understand them. And that's really the key. The rewards should motivate us as we understand them to continue serving the Lord, to continue keeping on, keeping on, as they say, and realize that that's our source of motivation is that God is faithful. You know, one of the great doctrines of our faith, of the Christian faith, is to look forward to the day that we'll be in heaven. And I figured it out this week. This is just my thought. You think of it. You know, when you think about all the negative things that go on in life and all the difficult circumstances and, and things that we go through, think about it from the standpoint that, thank you. Hey, here's what we'll do. We'll do it like they do in a play. I'll stand over here. You won't even notice them. You don't even see them right now. They're just going to go ahead and do what they're doing. You don't even know that they're there. But one of, the, one, of the great, one of the great doctrines of our faith is to look forward to the day that we'll be in heaven. 
I mean, isn't that true? I mean, think about it. I figured it out this week. Now, I know it's taken me a while, but I figured it out. When you go through all the things that you go through, thank you very much. When you go through all the difficult things that you go through, stop and think about this. Why does God allow us to go through all that? Here's why. So we will look forward to heaven. Right? See, the last thing that God wants in heaven are a bunch of people who are walking around going like this. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did, did, I mean, it's like, you know, didn't you think it would be more than this? I mean, we really had a good on earth. You know what I'm saying? And the last thing you want to hear for all of eternity are you people continuing your complaining throughout all of eternity. That's, God doesn't want, so what he does is he makes us look forward to heaven so when we get there, none of us will be disappointed. It'll be like, this is the greatest place I've ever been. This was everything I ever hoped it could be and even more. And the last thing we need is to hear some of you complain for all of eternity. Amen, hallelujah, right? I mean, who wants to listen to the people next to you complain throughout eternity? I can't handle them just complaining here on earth. It's short term, right? I figured it out this week. It's one of those great truths that you figure out after a period of time. It's like, that's it. We will look forward to heaven. Why? Because it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to us. All right. You won't have, like, we won't even have overheads. Because I guess we'll be overhead. <laughs> no, just. But seriously, I mean, and, and, and the other thing you look forward to in heaven is, is this. I mean, how many of you thought about the fact that you can't wait to get to heaven? I mean, right? Oh, you've got to be careful now. I heard, heard old story about an old preacher saying, how many of you are ready to go to heaven? And raise your hands. Can I hear an amen? And all these people start raising their hand. This one little boy in the front row didn't. And the pastor was going, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, oh, yes, sir, I want to go to heaven. He said, why didn't you raise your hand? He goes, well, I thought you were taking up a busload tonight. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I want to go, but I'm not ready right now. But anyway, but it's like you look forward to heaven, and there's one other thing that you look forward to. Every one of us should look forward to the day, not only when we're in heaven, but in the day that we'll appear before the judgment seat of Christ and hear these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's it. Anytime you get discouraged, anytime you get depressed, anytime you just feel like I can't go on anymore, that truth, that truth alone the truth of the rewards of God, of, of rewards of serving Him here on earth, of knowing that He's prepared a place for us. Jesus said in John 14, I prepare a place for you. And if it wasn't so, I wouldn't tell you that. But because I do tell you that, I am coming back for you and I'm taking you where I'm going to be. Paul said, that I'm, when I'm absent from the body, I'm present with the Lord. You know, I'm kind of caught between two worlds. I want to stay here on earth for the people that I know and I love and I can be of some impact with. But man, I can't wait to see Jesus. See, that's the, really the, the, the paradox of the Christian life. We've got a job to do here serving on earth, but we can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so that really is the motivation behind all of it, and what a great day it's going to be. And for those of us who don't understand what that day is going to be like and don't understand the whole doctrine or the teaching of rewards that's taught throughout the Bible, we're just going to touch a little bit briefly on it this morning, and I think it's a fitting conclusion to our series on serving God. But five years ago, we did a series on the rewards of serving, and it was a 14-session deal. So we're just going to basically do an overview and just cover all the highlights to help us to understand, you know what? There is something to look forward to. This isn't all that there is. 
God has more planned for us. And what we're going to find out as we go through it, we're going to find out what he has planned and when he has a plan, and we can get excited and hopefully motivated as we leave here, as we conclude this series, to keep on keeping on and keep on serving the Lord because that's, why he's called, that's what he's called us to do. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 basically gives us some insight into the whole concept of rewards that are taught throughout the Bible. First Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 14, we read these words. According to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw... Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. In this particular passage, uh, there's three basic facts that we can learn about serving and, and learn about the, this whole subject of rewards. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, as you go through this, one of the most important things that we need to grasp and to understand is that there is no foundation other than that of Jesus Christ. There's a world out here that is filled with people who are trying to teach us that if we do good things, if we do enough of them, and if they outweigh the bad things that we do, that somehow we'll be pleasing to God. And that's a direct conflict with the, the truth that's taught in Scripture. The Bible says, for it's by grace we've been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, lest any one of us should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The Bible clearly teaches that the only way that we enter into a right relationship with God is by believing that Jesus Christ is his son. By believing that Jesus Christ is God who came to this earth, shed his blood, died for our sins, three days later proved that he was God by being raised from the dead. See, the only way that we can be right with God is by trusting in Christ. And so it's real important to understand that because the rewards that are talked about here are rewards that are based upon a foundation which has already been laid, and that is our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The only way that we enter into a relationship with God is by putting our faith and trust in Him for our future, for our eternity. And then, at that point, we enter into a different relationship with God. And that relationship is one where we will be judged according to what we do on top of the foundation that's already been laid. How we live our life that's pleasing to God. The things that we do as we serve God and serve one another, that God takes note of those things. It's not a matter of will we be in heaven because of what we've done, because the only reason we'll be there is because of what Jesus did. But the rewards that will come will be determined upon that which we've done upon the foundation that's already been laid. We cannot build without a foundation, and there's no other foundation but Christ. So the rewards are our performance here on earth as we serve God. Three things that he teaches us in this passage, and the first one is most important, and that is that most rewards that will be received will be received in heaven and not here on earth. It's important that we grasp that very quickly because the Bible clearly teaches it. 
contrary to all of those who would have us to believe that if you put your faith and trust in Christ, man, the riches of the world will now be at your disposal. Everything will fall your way. Everything's coming up roses. Everything you ever wanted, you're going to have now. And that's true. But you know what's funny is it's true in the heavenlies and not here on the earth. See, you know, in fact, most of you could probably testify to this truth. Uh, in 1978, when I first put my faith and trust in Christ and I became a Christian according to God's definition instead of my own that I had, uh, it was like, you know, there was a great peace, there was a great awareness, awareness, there was a great assurance, there was a great confidence that God existed, that He was real, the study of the Bible was something that was fresh and exciting and all those things. But you know what? It was like everything outside of that was, was going crazy. Two months after that, our house got robbed. Everything that we owned was stolen. It was like all heck started breaking loose. And you start to go, man, you know, this is what I thought being a Christian was all about. Well, what do you think it was about? Well, I thought, geez, you know what? It's about everything would be great. Huh? How many of you have heard that? Man, you, you know, you, you, you just turn on a TV station one time and then shut it off for good. But, but just listen to it. You know, hey, it's great. You're going to have you're going to have riches. You're going to have material things. You're going to drive a Rolls. You're going to have a Rolex. You're going to have all these things. If you just, you know, come on our team. That's crazy. It's not taught in the Bible anywhere. Because what God teaches is that there are rewards for those who serve him faithfully. But most of them are going to come in heaven, not here on earth. And I already told you why. Because if we got it all now, we complain for all eternity. See, God's got it figured out. I'm saving all the best stuff for later. Right? That's the way it works. And that's exactly what he said. You know, the Bema seat of Christ is the judgment seat that's reserved for believers for the idea of giving them and sharing with them the rewards that God has to give. And in fact, if you go down through it, the interesting thing is he says that all our rewards are based on quality and not on quantity. Quality and not on quantity. If you look at it, he says, each man's work will become evident for the day will reveal it or the day will show it. Uh, when you see the word fire in scripture, it always refers to judgment. Fire was used to refine gold, it was refined metals, and it was to, to scrape off all the things that weren't any good, the impurities. And what was left was the finest of, of that particular material. All rewards are based on quality and not quantity. The day will reveal it. you got a definite article in front of the day which indicates it's a specific day in some point in time in the future, meaning the day of judgment, the day that we will stand or appear before the beam of seed of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you can read it, the day that we will stand there and we will hear the words, hopefully, well done, my good and faithful servant. And it's based on quality and not quantity. And it's important to understand that because he says the quality of each man's work will be tested. We are a society that gets excited about quantity. Have you ever seen? I mean, that's why, like, all-you-can-eat salad bar type things. I mean, think about it. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world, right? We're going to go to a salad bar because we're trying to cut back, but it's an all-you-can-eat salad bar, you know? And it's not so much that, you know, the lettuce and stuff is there, but then they've got all these other things that are next to it, and then you've got the dressing, and you see these people that are cutting back with, you know, giving it one of these, setting it down, laying it down, and then they got a gallon of salad dressing that pour all over top of it. Quantity is in. You know, quality's out. And some of us have been there because you've been to the quality restaurants and you get these little four little things on your plate and you're like, where's the food? That's it. It's a nice presentation, you know, and that's what you kind of go, but that's it. 
You know, we should have stopped the McDonald's before we came to eat here because we could have got the quantity there and we'll come here for the quality in the atmosphere, right? And, and so we're into quantity. We like quantity. The problem is that most of us are more concerned about quantity than we are quality and God's concerned about quality because God measures the heart. He measures our, our motivation behind serving Him. Why do we do what we do? What's the motivation behind it? What's the heart behind it? What's the truth behind it? And see, what He does is He tests quality. And the wonderful thing about it, and this is good news for everybody because this is the way it works. If God's more concerned about quality than quantity, then that means that every one of us, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, says, first, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about when you become a Christian by God's definition, you invite Christ into your life and the Spirit of God indwells you, He gives you a gift or gifts. All right? Now listen to this. That means that every person who has trusted in Christ according to God's definition is given a spiritual gift or gifts that God has given to you and to me in order that we may serve God and serve one another, that we will build up the body. Now, listen to why this is important. Because God deals with quality, not quantity. That means the little old lady who has been a prayer warrior all of her life, will receive rewards from God as great or maybe more so than a person like Billy Graham who has preached to countless millions across the world. That means that they are put into the same category by God. That means that a janitor or a person who drives a van for the handicapped or somebody who is an usher or somebody who is serving in the nursery or somebody who is ministering in some other way that's behind the scenes that isn't visible that nobody sees. The wonderful news of this truth is that you are put in the same position as any pastor, teacher who is visible and preaching before countless thousands or millions or on a TV or whatever they're doing and reaching millions of people. God puts you in the same category as them. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Because God's concerned about quality, not quantity. When we serve to the least of these that we serve, you have done unto me. Do you follow that? And it's important because what it does is it gives every one of us hope that, you know what? Hey, I can serve in some way. I can serve God. I can serve others. I can in some way do something that God will recognize, that God will honor, that God will look upon and be pleased with. I don't have the gift. I, don't ha I can't speak. I can't get up in front of people and speak to a group of people. But you know what's wonderful? Neither could I. But see, what God does, according to 1 Corinthians 4, 7, is he says this. What do you have that hasn't been given to you by God? Whatever your gift is to serve God, God has given you that gift. And the wonderful thing about it is the quality, it's not the quantity of the gift because he's the one that distributes the gift. It's the Spirit of God who gives you the gift. So God isn't concerned about, about uh, quantity because he's the one that doles them out. He dishes them out. What he cares about is quality, meaning this. If God has gifted you and he says that he has, are you utilizing his, that gift that he's given you to serve God and to serve others? Our willingness to serve, our, our, our effort and our energy to develop that gift, all of those things are quality things that God takes into consideration when he's going to reward those who serve him faithfully. You know, I don't know, but I get excited just thinking about the fact that, hey, you know what? Every one of us have been given a gift or gifts that have been given to us for the purpose of building up the body of serving God and serving one another. 
If you are exercising that gift, if you are diligent to develop that gift, or if you are utilizing that gift, then God says that there's a day when he will reward you for being faithful. That's important to understand. None of us will be able to walk away with the gift that God's given us and say, I didn't know. Should have told me. I did tell you. You weren't listening. Not only did you hear it preached to you, not only did you hear it taught to you, not only did you read in the Bible, but you also heard my spirit within you saying, hey, listen, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And you kept saying, but, but I'm busy. So, well, then you made a choice. And you chose to live for the temporal and not for the eternal. And you chose to sell out for the immediate and not for long term. And I had something better for you that I was going to reward you. But you chose to ignore me. You lost out. Because the third thing is, is that he says, that, you know what? No reward that is postponed will ever be forgotten. He says, if any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. Period. End of discussion. God said he will reward us. Guess what? He will reward us. And he promises these things to his servants. And, it's, and, and you know what? I think a lot of it has to do is we never take the time to really read and study the promises of God. God promises certain things. If he promises them, he's got to fulfill them. Because he's not like man. He doesn't lie and he doesn't change his mind. He says he's going to do it. The first thing he talks about is he, he, it's about his faithfulness. Understanding the reward system of God goes back to understanding God. And many of us could probably use a real good refresher course on who God is instead of always concentrating on who we are. We only can discover and, and figure out who we are when we understand who God is because we've been made and created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, if that is a truth, then we need to understand God before we ever begin to understand ourselves. The world will tell you everything different. Hey, you need to know yourself. Seek yourself. Seek after yourself. Self this, self that, self all these things. And you know what? And, the, and God says, man, you know, deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow me, and look at what the Bible has to say about who God is. Regarding his faithfulness, God promises certain things. Let me just read some things to you. Someone, and, and I don't know who gets paid to do stuff like this, but someone sat down one time and counted all the promises that God made in the Bible. The good news is I can just read, you know, in an encyclopedia or something what somebody discovered, and then they got a list of all of them, and I'm glad somebody else took the time because, you know, I'm a little busy. But, but um, aren't we all? But somebody had time to do it. 7,500 promises in the Bible that God makes. 7,500 promises. The wonderful thing is many of them still apply to us and are things that as servants we can look forward to. Listen to some of them, and you tell me if these don't excite you. Isaiah 41.10 is a verse that often encourages me, and I know that it does many others. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He goes on in, in uh, chapter 49 and he says, But Zion said, Well, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And any one of us who go through difficult times are tempted to feel that. God's forgot me. He says in the Lord, but he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even they may forget, but I will never forget you. 
Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. I read that, and I think he has inscribed my name on the palms of his hands. You know, and there's two ways I look at it. The, the distorted way that, that I look at things as I've grown up, and that is that if you've ever been in a class and you're having a test and you want to remember something, there were people around me. There were people around. There were people around you, too, right? How many know where this is heading? There were people around you who wrote stuff down, on, their, on, on the inside of their hand here. Because then they could clench their fists and they can do their test and they can go, <sighs> you know, look for that little revelation there. You know, and so it's kind of like, you know, but, but then I realized, well, God doesn't have to write something on the palm of his hand to remi remind himself of you or me. But when he says, I have inscribed your name on the palms of my hands, it takes us back to the cross. And it takes us back to what Jesus did. And God's remembrance of us is always in light of what Christ did for us on the cross. And when we're stupid and when we're faithless and when, we're, when we do things that are wrong and rebellious before God, as we confess this, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all of it because he's reminded that it's not on our righteousness, but it's on what Jesus did. It's on the shedding of his blood on the cross. And he's inscribed you and I on the palms of his hands so that he can remember what Jesus did. See, that's a wonderful truth, and it's not based on my performance, but it's based on what Christ did. And these promises are all throughout the Bible. Do not lose heart, but through, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul said in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. A servant whose name was Onesiphorus. This is what he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said this, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. And he was not ashamed of my chains, but he went, when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched after me. He found me. May the Lord grant to him to find mercy on the Lord, from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he has rendered to us in Ephesus. God is faithful that he'll never forget. In Revelation 21, 1 through 4, he says this, And I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, made from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. In Hebrews chapter 4, a verse that we've studied in the past, but it's very applicable to this whole concept of rewards. It says, For God is not so unjust as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to his saints. You know, these are just samples. I mean, the Bible is filled with promises that God has made concerning our faithfulness and his faithfulness in keeping to his promises as far as rewards are concerned. And as far as seeing what we do, the Bible reminds us that God sees everything that you and I do. Everything, every work, every individual act God sees. And not only does he see that, and the wonderful thing is, he sees our heart. He sees our motivation. He sees the love that was behind it. He sees what he can measure as the sincerity while we in the world 
question sincerity, don't understand sincerity, and sincerity doesn't mean anything if it's not based on fact. But the bottom line is that when we try to serve one another and serve God, and the results aren't what we thought they would be, when they fall short of our expectations, God says, hey, that doesn't make, that, that's not the important thing, because it's the quality. It was, I saw your heart. I knew what you were trying to do. And even though it was misunderstood by the people around you, and even though it didn't turn out like you thought it would, I saw and I will reward you. I'm not unjust. I'm not forgetting about you. I haven't forgot about any of it. You know, and the wonderful thing too is that we need to understand that God's rewards, not only are they eternal, but there are times where God will reward us today. They're temporal rewards. I mean, that means that we can enjoy the benefit of that reward today. Let me give you an illustration. When, when we are obedient to God, and we do what God is asking us to do today. And I want to use an illustration of somebody, somebody shared this with me. And, uh, and, and I want to illustrate it because this is true. When we're obedient to God today, there are temporary rewards or temporal rewards that we can look forward to. I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the session where Jesus was teaching us to be obedient. And he used the illustration or example of washing the disciples' feet. And he was showing us an example for us to follow. There was, there's a woman that's in this class who, as she was going home, God was con convicting her of a situation that was going on in their home between her and her son, who, as many moms can identify with, her son is a slob. Um, and, and his room is a disaster area that's, you know, there's, it's, it's quadrant off, and they've got the ropes and everything, and the police lines all around it. It's quadrant off. And, and this battle has been going on for a long time about who was going to win the battle of cleaning the room and keeping it neat. And finally it got to the point where the door was just shut and there was warning signs, you know, nuclear waste ahead. And, uh, and so as she was going home, it, it was like she was feeling a conviction from the Holy Spirit that, you know what, this really has turned into just a battle of pride, a battle of will, hasn't it? It's like, yeah, well, but how am I going to teach him to clean his room? Well, that's not the point. Why don't you as an act of service, clean his room. Now, I know every mom out there is going, oh, please, don't tell the story. Stop right now. Don't. And every kid in here is going, preach it, brother. <laughs> but, but this is what happened. So, so she goes home, and she decides, I'm going to clean his room. The room is spotless. The young man comes home. He thinks, they're renting his room out finally. <laughs> and he's lost, right? And, and it was like he couldn't figure it out. He's walking around. He's looking. Checked it. Walked back out in the hallway. Make sure it was the second door on the right. And it was still his room. So, you know, enough artifacts in there. And I knew it was still his. He's looking around. The room is clean. He can't figure out what's going on. And he comes over to his mom. And he just kind of looks at her and says, Have I ever told you how special you are? You're quite a mom. Hugs her, kisses her, and just freaks her out. <laughs> He's stunned. He can't figure it out. She's stunned. She can't figure it out. The whole house is stunned. <laughs> Why? Because when you apply the principles that we learn to real life and you see that it works, you're shocked. I'm stunned. This works in real life. 
real situations, real people. And here's why. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11, he says this. But you see, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed because we're always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Listen, that the life of Christ also may be seen through our lives. What's the temporal reward of being obedient to God as He convicts us of actions that we're to take? The temporal reward is this, that when people see you obedient to God, and even though the world would say, don't give in, don't clean His room, teach Him a lesson, and the Spirit of God says, clean His room, I've got a different way to get this accomplished. You say, okay, not your will be done, but mine, and I'm going to do it, and I don't understand it. And you know what happens? The world sees it and goes like this. I can see Jesus through your life. I can see Christ in you. And I don't know how to deal with it. I need to know more. The temporal reward of obedience is that there's an overflowing thanksgiving or praise that goes to God for our faithfulness and obedience. And let me tell you something, that is as great as all the eternal rewards that God will have to offer us, even though they'll be far better. To me, for a person to see the obedience in your life and to be able to give God the credit and the glory and the praise for it. And what a wonderful time it was for this mom and this son to talk about the things of God and say, you know, I was convicted by God about doing this. This was the right thing to do. And I did it because I wanted to honor and praise God. And that young man walked out of there thinking, my gosh, my mom loves the Lord and she's willing to be obedient and I need to straighten up and I need to thank God for her and I need to thank God for this situation and I don't know how to handle it any other way. And I'm blown away. Man, why don't we just do what God is convincing us and convicting us that we should do? When it blow you away, it's unbelievable. This is great. This is, so you look at this, what is I miss something? I probably did, huh? What's the deal? No, I hate that, I hate that. I hate Because I'm usually pretty quick at stuff. Oh, blown away. You blew your nose when you said blown away. All right, thank you. I know, well, well, wait a minute now. We've been working that on all week, so I just want to thank you very much. You hit it right when you're supposed to. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, and it's a good thing I just said that, huh? Man, if we're going to start having little, you know, where are we? We're all blown away. Anybody else have anything to do? All right, all right. Okay. Be a servant. You know, and the wonderful thing is, and I think of Proverbs 31, and I think of this young man that walks around and says that even, his, even her family blesses her and calls her blessed. What a wonderful truth that is. What a wonderful thing. But, you know, you've got to do what God is convicting you of doing, and you have a choice of being obedient. Um, I really believe that a servant spirit affects a family. It affects a business, it affects a church, it affects a community, and it affects a nation. There's no one that can come into the presence of a servant of God without being impacted by that life, without all the praise and the glory going to God. Can you wait around like five more minutes? <laughs>
Let me read you a story. And then I got one more, and then we'll close. If you can't, then you're going to feel all kind of pressure getting up to leave. <laughs> but, but I want to read you a story, because this is a great story. And I don't want to pass up on it, because we're running out of time. Joyce Landorf, in a book called Morning Song, writes this story. And it illustrates what I'm trying to get across. It says that nurses carry out their various duties with callous indifference. They listen as little as possible and touch only when necessary. How sad, but such is the force of denial. It says it's just, it's, it is as if they do indeed hear the morning song, but they run blindly from the sound, holding their ears as they run and hoping none of the message will get through their carefully structured blockades. So that I've seen terminally ill children in several hospitals and I can fully appreciate how soul-tearing it is to try and work around them. However, it is still tragic to let denial rob us of feeling and caring and loving a dying child. Dr. Jim Dobson, a friend of hers, writes of this story and tells of a mother who was willing to put down her denial and pick up her own acceptance and then beautifully prepare her little son for death. She said she was, he said she was a large black woman, a picturesque, as picturesque as the plantation mammies of five years ago. She came every day to the hospital to visit her little five-year-old son who was dying from a painful disease of lung cancer. One morning before the mother got there, a nurse heard her little boy saying, I hear the bells, I hear the bells, and they're ringing. Over and over that morning, nurses and staff heard him. When the mother arrived, she asked one of the nurses how her son had, had been doing and how he'd done that day. And the nurse replied, oh, he's been hallucinating today. It's probably the medication, but he's not making any sense. He keeps on saying that he hears bells. Then the beautiful mother's face came alive with understanding. And she shook her finger at the nurse and said, you listen to me. He is not hallucinating and he's not out of his head because of any medicine. I told him weeks ago that when the pain in his chest got bad and it was hard for him to breathe, it meant he was going to leave us. It meant that he would soon be in heaven, and that's when it meant that he was soon going to heaven. And that when the pain got really bad, he was to look up into the corner of the room toward heaven and listen for the bells of heaven, because they'd be ringing for him. With that, she marched down the hall, swept her little son into her little son's room swooped him out of his bed and rocked him in her arms until the sounds of ringing bells were only quiet echoes as he was ushered in the presence of God. There is no way, there is no way that those nurses left that hospital that day the same as when they came in. Here was a mother that believed the promises of God, trusted God for his faithfulness, and could prepare his chil her children for the fact, the inevitable fact, that as soon as the pain was over here on earth, that he'd be ushered into the glory of God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about, but we don't have any time. But the reality of all of it is, is that God promises rewards and he lays out an example for us to follow. Because even our Lord Jesus Christ said, hey, for even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. God, help us to be obedient because we're missing a whole bunch of blessings here on earth and into all of eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity just to uh, look carefully into your word. God, help us to just simply to be obedient, God, to be able to apply the things that we learn. God, help us to, to be like the mom who was obedient to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in her life. And it changed her home. God, 
how many of us, if we were just become servants, could change our homes, could change our marriage, could change our relationship with our children, with one another, in our companies, in our businesses, God, here at this church, and in the community that you have us serving. God, help us to follow the example that Jesus left us. We're not in this for ourselves. We're here to serve you. We're here to honor you. We're here to make an impact in this world. We're here to be used by you to the point where when people see our good works, they can glorify our Father who is in heaven. God, help us to become doers of this word and not hearers only. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.